Welcome to Central Baptist Church Buna's weekly sermon podcast. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at cbcbuna.com. Well, we are starting a new series called Rejoice, and and it's fitting for this season, and I'm excited about uh, what we're going to study together here in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be studying this really through the rest of the month of uh, November, and we're just going to kind of do a deep dive on a very specific passage, so I'm excited to do that uh, with you. But I'll never forget the fall of 2017. Uh, many of you also will, will remember this for difficult reasons. I remember the challenge of Hurricane Harvey uh, devastated our area. I was, you know, here in Southeast Texas still. I was over in Coontz, and we had over a dozen families in our church whose homes were flooded and affected, and uh, about 40 homes in Coontz itself that we were trying to minister to. And that's not even, obviously, to mention Lumberton, which was right down the road and was devastated as well. And it was just a really hard time uh, for many of us. Yet, in the midst of that recovery, in the midst of that difficult season, there was something that happened that brought a lot of people together and made a lot of people excited. And that was the historic run of the 2017 Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. It was near and dear to my heart. In fact, you know, lifelong Astros fan, I remember like for vacation, that's what we would do. We would load up and go to Houston and stay at a cheap hotel and go to the Astrodome and sit in the general admission seating, which was awesome because it was like 11 bucks and we're like in the outfield and can talk to, it was amazing. Those were the good old days, but uh, those days are past, by the way. Uh, Good luck going for that cheap anymore, but uh, we we loved it. It was just a lot of fun. That was what we did. So, you know, as being a kid in the 90s, got to watch the Killer Bees uh, go through there and get some, you know, division championship year after year after year. But I was used to, when the playoffs came along, experiencing epic heartbreak. Like, that was my life, especially hated the Braves for that reason in that time period of my life. Anybody else? Some of y'all, I'm bringing up trauma for you. I'm sorry, all right? Uh, We just had to talk through it. And then I was in college, and I was in a land, a foreign land near Dallas, where everybody kind of didn't like the Astros for no good reason. Uh, and, you know, 2005 happened. That was rough. I still claim that that was the closest uh, World Series sweep that's ever happened. Those were close ball games, but we lost all four of them. It's fine. Uh, so tough, tough time. I was just used to heartbreak and was not expecting anything good to happen in 2017, but they just kept winning and winning and winning. So you could call it like Jose Altuve. You can call it Providence. You can call it luck. You can call it like a sophisticated camera system and some banging trash cans. I don't care whatever you want to call it. Whatever you want to call it, it was awesome. It was great. I'll never forget how I felt after game seven. My brother came and watched it with me, and I'm not even embarrassed to tell you, man, tears were shed. Like, we were so excited. It was just such a glorious feeling, and we were so pumped. And man, I got to tell you, I'm a little embarrassed, but not too embarrassed to tell you, I like went all out. If it said World Series champions, I bought it. Like we had hand soap, we had Christmas ornaments, hats, shirts, like everything. And I just kept telling Mallory, I was like, baby, this only happens maybe once in a lifetime. So you've got to celebrate. I mean, this may not happen again. We got, we got to really do this upright. Needless to say, in 2022, I have very little gear because that argument did not work uh, just a few years later, for the record. I wanted to say, be careful there, guys. Uh, caution. But seriously, what, what I remember is that uh, I took so much joy from that, so much so that when bad things would be happening around me, I I distinctly remember, Mallory, I don't even remember the circumstance, which that says something about your circumstances, right? It was bad at the time, and I don't even remember what it was. 
So some of you right now are going through something that you're just like think is awful, but you may not even remember it in a few years. I pray that'd be true for you. But we were in the kitchen, one of those, those marriage moments, like we're holding each other in the kitchen trying to get through something difficult. And I'll never forget whispering the most romantic, sweet thing ever to her. It's our anniversary today, 12 years down the road, all right? So I, I know how to do it. Here's what I said. At least the Astros won the World Series. <laughs> So that became like a joke for us that when things would be going really bad in our lives, we would say that to each other. Well, at least the Astros won the World Series, am I right? But something really, really bad happened. 2018 came around and they didn't win the World Series. And then it took a few years to claw back in 2022. We, oh man, they won. And again, I didn't buy anything. But then what happened a few weeks ago? Total devastation. And if you're not an Astros fan, I don't want to talk to you today, all right? The altars will be open at the end of the service for Rangers fans. Just come down, and there is still repentance in Christ available to you, all right? But here's the problem. It's temporary, right? And for some of you, like, like sports in your thing, and you're like, wow, we hired a crazy pastor. Yeah, well, it's too late now. I'm here, all right? But it may not be sports for you, but, but have you ridden the roller coaster of circumstances in your life? Things are really good one moment, and then things are really not good a few moments later. Today, I want us to think about what it means to rejoice in the Lord. And we're going to see that the Word of God offers us joy and contentment that's not based on our circumstances, but instead it's based on our relationship with Jesus. And here's why you and I need this. The, the default setting of our culture today is cynicism, bitterness, complaining, and criticizing. And when I read through the Bible, man, I just see Christ followers called to model a different way of life, a way that is refreshing and encouraging and makes us look differently at the world around us. But instead of being salt and light in our culture, I feel like many times the church has been more influenced by the world than the Word of God. We talk a lot about missions and evangelism and reaching our area. And man, listen, I've got plans that the Lord's put on my heart and that I know God has put on our heart as a church. And man, I'm excited for 2024. We want to reach Buna. We want to reach Jasper County in Southeast Texas. I believe that our best days are ahead of us. But with that said, friends, we cannot afford to look like the rest of the world. Rather than being led by the spirit of the age, we have to be a people that are led by the spirit of God. And I think one of the key ways this shows up in your daily life is by living a life of rejoicing. So we're introducing this series that's going to take us through the, the month of November. And today, really, in one verse, we'll read a little bit more, but in one verse, we're going to see the big truth. And here's what it is today. To rejoice is to walk in the grace of Jesus every day. To rejoice is to walk with Jesus and to walk in his grace every day. So with all that in mind, let's read our text. We're starting in verse 4 of chapter 4, and we're going to read through verse 9. But again, we're really just honing in on the first verse uh, today. The word of the Lord says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, 
whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to this familiar text, I I pray that you would give us eyes and ears led by your spirit to see your truth here in this text. Lord, as we really just do a deep dive on this over the next four weeks, I pray, Lord, that you would make it come alive to us in ways that we've never seen before. And we're just thankful for what you're going to do, Lord, and love you and thank you for your word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, well, I'll be real honest with you guys. I, I love preaching unique and different passages. Here's why. When I preach a a weird section of the Bible, y'all lean in in a totally different way. Like a few weeks ago on Wednesday night, we did Genesis 38, and some of y'all are like, this guy's saying these words in church. It got wild and weird. Some of you don't know. Go read that later, and you'll be like, oh, okay. Like that happened, and man, I enjoyed it because everybody was like listening with a, a wild attentiveness. Then a few weeks ago, we did Nehemiah, and it's like, wait a second, we're jumping right into the middle of Nehemiah? But, but here's what I know. When we come to a passage like this, if you have a church background, you're like, all right, well, I guess the new preacher's taking his crack at it. We know the children's songs. We, we've heard the Sunday school lessons. We've heard this text taught many times by many different people. This is even a, a favorite of local evangelists that I know and love. Like, this is a passage that we come to a lot in the church. And if we're not careful, we find ourselves almost just checking out when we come to a text like this. But I believe that this is really worth our full attention and really worth a deep dive. I've preached this text a lot of times myself. I've never done what we're about to do for the next four weeks. We're going to take it section by section. In fact, today we're really just looking at one verse and we're going to think about what it means to live this life of rejoicing. So I'm excited to see what the Lord is going to do. We're just looking at verse four today, a simple declarative statement, a command from the Lord. But when we stop and really consider everything here, there's a lot in this uh, one simple verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let's just tackle this word rejoice right out of the gate. Uh, This word rejoice simply means to take delight in or to take joy in. The idea is to find your ultimate satisfaction, your hope, to find your everything in something. But as I studied this week, I was really surprised and delighted by something that I found. This word rejoice comes from the same root word as the word grace. So so the word grace, this noun in Greek is this uh, word kairos. And the word rejoice is the verb form of that word, Cairo. So so in a very real sense, friends, this really spoke to me, especially coming out of our text in Galatians, where we've just been reminding ourselves of the grace of our God and the power of the gospel. In a very real sense, this word rejoice means to walk in the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To walk out this grace, it is the verb form of grace, is to live a life of rejoicing. To live out this grace Jesus has given to us. As we walked through Galatians, thinking about the truth of the gospel and how it ought to change our lives, today in a different letter to a different church, Paul is saying, this is how you walk out the gospel. You want the gospel for life? Here it is. Live a life of rejoicing. To rejoice is to walk in the grace of Jesus Christ every single day. But but here's what you need to know. 
This isn't a call to simply be a pleasant and happy person. I think sometimes when we hear that, we think, oh, okay, so I guess that's what this is about. But this isn't simply a call to be delightful. Instead, it's a call for us to delight in a specific person. And that specific person is the Lord Jesus Christ. So not only do we see this call to rejoice, we see this call to rejoice in the Lord. Now, I know some of y'all are thinking, dude, this guy is going so slow and so basic today. But I think it's important that we do this, and here's why. I think that if we're honest with ourselves, we've got to admit that we have a tendency to find our rejoicing in the temporary things of the world. We, we want to rejoice when we're in a great financial situation. We, we want to rejoice when things are going really well at work. We want to rejoice when we pass that big test. We want to rejoice when it's opening weekend of hunting season. Some of, you, that's some of you watching on the live feed in the stand right now are like, yes, Lord. Have you seen anything yet? If not, it may be the Lord's judgment. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I hope you kill something real big and share some of the meat with your pastor. All right. <laughs> I my, my first year as a pastor in Southeast Texas, 10 years ago, y'all, 10, 12, I don't know, it's, it's all rest together. But anyways, I remember on, we did a camo Sunday opening weekend of hunting season. The week before, I said from the pulpit, if you go hunting next Sunday morning, I'm just praying that you don't kill anything. And I had two or three guys, I'm not even kidding you, like come up to me after church mad, like, Pastor, yeah, I'll not be doing that. So, uh, so I've learned my lesson. Now I just make jokes about it and tell you I still want to share some of the sausage, all right? You know, we can still be friends. It is wild that we have technology now, though, isn't it? So some of them right now are, are you know, probably a big buck walked by as you were looking at me and thinking about what's going on here. So glad that you're checking in online, those of you who are. But we rejoice in all these things. But, but here's the problem. The problem with temporary things is that they're temporary. They're going to change. They ebb and flow. And when we find our joy, our contentment, our hope, our, our delight, and when we rejoice in these things, you end up riding what I like to call the roller coaster of rejoicing. Right? Things are good. We go from high to low, from high to low, from high to low. And let, let me just be real with you for a minute. Whether you know it or not, the world we live in is rigged to make you rejoice in temporary things. The culture in which we find ourselves is set up to cause you to seek and find things to rejoice in that are temporary and will not last. Friends, Billions and billions and billions of dollars are spent every year trying to convince you that this product, this technology, this beverage, this food, this sports team, this way of life, this clothing, these things, fill in the blank, all of this will cause you to rejoice. And if you are not intentional, if we don't make an active choice to follow this command here in verse 4 to rejoice in the Lord, then you and I are going to get sucked into that world system. We, we've, we talk about this, but did you know that following Jesus, sanctification, growing in Christ doesn't just happen? It takes an active decision to press into Jesus. We talked about that last week, that we want to press into Christ. Well, you need to know that rejoicing is how we press into Christ, but it takes intentionality. It's not going to just happen. When I got up at 5 o'clock this morning, and I heard little feet get up an hour earlier than they normally get up, some of y'all are like, we got an extra hour. Well, praise God for you. 
I have four kids under 10. We did not get an extra hour at our house. I was trying to say, if you, if you think this message isn't good today, I got two kids I can blame it on. I got up at six, right? And I was trying to study this thing, man. So if I just, so sorry, that was, uh, just slipped out there. It's got, it, this isn't testimony time. I just got a little worked up. Man, but, but these things are temporary and changing all the time. And if we're not active and intentional, you need to know that we're going to slip off into whatever world system is going on at any given moment. The problem, again, with temporary things is that they're temporary. The world we live in is consistently inconsistent. It's changing all the time. And if you are finding your joy, your contentment, your hope in the things of this world instead of in the Lord, man, get ready. It's an exhausting way to live. It's an exhausting way to live. But Paul is offering a better way in this text. Rejoice in the Lord. Set your heart and your mind on the one who cannot and will not change. But aren't you thankful that we have an unchanging God? That everything else is changing, the time's changing, the, the world's changing, our culture is crazy, but we have an unchanging God who we can rejoice in today. But then there's this critical word in the text, always. Rejoice in the Lord, always. Now, let's just be honest. Isn't this really the challenge of this text? This is it. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to have Baptism Sunday. And man, I, I don't know, Bryce, what are we, how many we got baptized next week? Eight. Now, we got hands raised right now. Kids that are like, I'm getting baptized. Praise God for that, man. Can I tell you, next Sunday morning, uh, if you're not rejoicing, your rejoicer's broke. All right? It's going to be a day of rejoicing. We're going to be excited. We're going to be celebrating. We're going to be pumped about Like Days like that are going to be easy for us to rejoice. We're going to be excited about that. It's impossible not to rejoice when we see real life change right in front of us before our eyes. But, but what about when the bills come up and you're short that month? What about when that kid comes into your room in the middle of the night and says, Mom, I just threw up. And I say, Mom, they just threw up. <laughs> Again, I slipped into testimony time. <laughs> Ironically, here's my next thought. What if your marriage is barely hanging on by a thread? <laughs> Get up, Dad. Get up, all right? And we've got all these things that, that aren't going right in our world. How do we rejoice in those situations? What's interesting to me is that Paul is not simply asking us to turn our frowns upside down. All right? Paul's not giving us a motivational speech in, in a slicked up suit, you know, with the big old cheesy smile saying, hey guys, when life gives you lemon, make lemonade. It's all going to be all right. You know where Paul is writing this letter from? He's locked up. He's in jail. He's not in a great situation. He's writing this letter from prison. That's astounding to me. Can you imagine being the church in Philippi? So, so this church that Paul helped start hears that their beloved church planter and friend, Paul, is now locked up. And their hearts were stirred. And they're like, man, we got to do something to help. So they take up a special offering. 
That they know that he is very likely in Rome, most scholars think at this time, so he's kind of in a house arrest situation, but still locked up, and he can provide for some needs. They can help him if they can get some money to him. So they hear about this, and they're like, man, let's collect some money, and let's get Epaphroditus. He's our pastor to go and take that money to Paul. So, so Epaphroditus does. He goes, and he takes this money to Paul, and they have fellowship together. Actually, their pastor got real sick when he was there with Paul, but finally was delayed, but he got to come back, and when he comes back, he has a letter from Paul to the church. And I don't know what they were expecting it to say, but don't you know that they were astounded to hear that their friend that was in a really rough situation had a big call for them, and here's what it was. Rejoice. Rejoice, friends. Rejoice. And I don't know if you've ever had weird moments like that where people in really difficult situations end up encouraging you. Have you ever been in that moment? There was a time several years ago, I went to an elderly saint's house who had just lost his wife of over 60 years. This was a couple that was really an integral part of my home church over in Spurger. And, and I'd watched them love Jesus and love each other for literally my entire life. Now as a young pastor in another town, but, but I'd heard that his wife had died, and one of the sons had reached out and said, hey, you, you should come by and see Dad. So I did, and the family was gathered there at their house, and I remember pulling up in my car, and as I took that walk from like the car to the front door, I remember thinking, what am I going to say to this guy? <laughs> what words am I going to offer? And I'll never forget when I got in, the warm smile and handshake couldn't even get up. He was just physically struggling. But man, he grabbed my hand and the warmth, his smile, his heart. And yes, we talked about his sweet wife and how much he loved her and was going to miss her and how much she had blessed him. And, and I talked about how she had blessed me. But then he went on to say, man, how's your ministry going? And asked me lots of important questions and said, man, I knew from the time you were a young man that God was going to use you. And he, he's encouraged me. And I'll never forget walking out. I practically floated to the car on the way out. I walked in heavy, not knowing what I was going to say, what I was going to do, and I might as well have flown back to Coons, Texas from Spurger, Texas, encouraged by a man going through immense, unbelievable grief. I'll never forget that moment. How could he do that? How could Paul, in the midst of this awful situation, encourage and bless this church in Philippi? Here's why. We don't rejoice in our circumstances. We rejoice in our Savior. We don't rejoice in our circumstances. We rejoice in our Savior. And regardless of what's happening in your life, regardless of the world around you, friends, let me again remind you, our Savior is unchanging. So we can rejoice. We can walk in the grace that he's given us and that he even today, right now, is giving us. Can we just get real for a minute, though? I, I know that this is a profoundly simple message today. Like, some of y'all are thinking, did he have to go to seminary for this? Like, this, this is pretty simple. But here's what I know. Like, our world is very unstable. The culture in which we live is very unstable. Y'all, I love Buna, but have you driven around lately? I, I'm not hating. I'm just saying it's reality. We got a lot of people who are hurting and struggling, and a lot of people just passing through, right? 
our world, our culture, Southeast Texas, even, like we used to kind of feel like, well, we're different than that. But man, it's coming to us, right? We live in an unstable world and an unstable culture. And because of this cultural moment, because of the fallen world in which you and I live, I think we have to just acknowledge that and our lives feel pretty unstable a lot of times. And what are we supposed to do in those moments? I'm reminded of Jesus' parable at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7. We talked about it on my very first Sunday here, that awkward time where y'all all voted after I got done preaching. You ain't voting today, all right? Remember we talked about the two houses? And Jesus said, man, there was the one guy who dug down and built his house on the rock. And the rain came and the, the winds blew, but that house stood firm. But then there was this other guy who built his house on the sinking sand. And when the rains came and the winds blew, and that house collapsed. And Jesus said, the wise person, the wise one, is the one who builds their house on the rock. And he said, the rock are these words that I'm saying, the one who builds their lives on me. So this is the call to build our lives on the foundation of Christ. But, but if you're like me, there are moments where you wonder, am I doing it right? You ever feel that? Like, I'm trying. Like, I want to build my life on Christ, but am I doing it right? And what I want to tell you today, friends, if you're wondering if you're walking in the grace of Jesus, if you're rejoicing in the Lord always, I believe if you're stable, you're wondering, am I building my house on the rock? I think a great indicator of stability is rejoicing. Rejoicing is a marker of stability. If you're living a life of rejoicing, then I believe you're built on a firm foundation. If you're consistently, though, riding the emotions of circumstances in this life, and perhaps even today, barely hanging on, perhaps, friend, you're living on the sinking sand of this world. But what I believe today is that in the, the next few weeks, as we dive into this text in a deeper way and study, again, it is simple, but I think it's a profound passage. You and I are going to have the opportunity to make some choices. Will you continue on this path of worldly rejoicing where our lives are going up, down, up, down, finding our joy, hope, contentment in the temporary treasures of this world? Or are we going to build our lives on Christ, walking in his grace each and every single day? Friends, this is the invitation of Philippians 4. And when we walk in the grace of Jesus, do you know what happens? Our attitudes, our demeanor, our temperament, our countenance, they change. They're different. This is something I want us to consider over the next few weeks. The Lord's been dealing with me on this in some significant ways. I'm what we Southeast Texas folks like to refer to as high strung. I'm, I'm, I'm wound up all the time about something. And by the Lord's grace, a lot of times that's Jesus. So there are things that can be redeemed in our personalities, amen? But sometimes... It's a sports team. Sometimes it's a social media post. No jokes. I'm just going to move on. <laughs> Almost Bryce the filter caught it. Praise God. Sometimes it's drama that nobody cares about. Sometimes it's the things of this world that, that have me bothered and frustrated. And man, what I've discovered in my life is that as a dad, as a husband, my temperament can change the temperature of my home. As a pastor, my, my temperament and my attitude and my heart can change the temperature of my home. 
As a friend, I can walk into relationships and change those dynamics because of the way my heart and my life is. And and here's the thing, friends, if that's true for me, it's not just because I'm the pastor here, it's true for you too. But one of the ways that the Bible calls us to be different in this world, I believe, is a call for us to be remarkably consistent. We're going to talk about that more next week, but I want to end with this thought today. Earlier in this letter, Paul talks about the opposite of rejoicing. Here's what he says in Philippians 2, verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Now, by the way, some translations literally say, do all things without complaining, <laughs> right? Oh, man. Some of y'all, that we can just go home now, right? Why, do we, why are we called to do this? Because when we don't rejoice and complain and grumble, man, we're not like Christ. But look at what happens when we obey verse 14 and do all things without grumbling or complaining or disputing. Verse 15, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. We were just talking about that, weren't we? Among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. I can just keep preaching, but we're going to stop. Man, how are we to shine in our world? How are we to look different than the rest of the world? Friends, by not playing by the spirit of the age that wants us to be ruled by cynicism and jerkiness and all around not rejoicing, but instead to be a people who are willing to walk in the grace of Jesus. The way we shine, friends, is by choosing to rejoice. Choosing to rejoice. Listen, you and I cannot control our circumstances. Oh man, any control freaks in the house? You can try, but the world's gonna show you that you cannot control your circumstances. Oh friends, but you can control you. You can control you. And this is what scripture calls us to. So God's not asking you today to look on the bright side, to ignore the problems in your life and rejoice. No, for sure. Do you know how I know that? Look two verses up from verse four in chapter four. He calls out two women by name and says, quit fussing. Now, some of y'all would say, now, Paul doesn't sound like he's rejoicing to me. How dare he mention them by name? How would that go today? If I was like, hey, guys, you and you, quit it. I've always said, imagine being these, these two gals. They're like, oh, we got our, our names are in the scripture. And it's for fighting. Dadgummit. So no, Paul addresses issues head on. So this isn't a call to stick your head in the sand to pretend like everything's okay and ignore reality. No, we deal with issues with real life, real problems, the ups and downs of circumstances that we have to deal with. But the command of scripture is this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And we do this, friends, by walking in the grace of Jesus every day, knowing that he has saved us and that he is with us. So come what may in this life, I've got Jesus. And that's why he says in chapter 2, if I live, I'm going to live for Christ. But if I die, that's good too, <laughs> right? Some of y'all will be like, he really needs to get some help. But here's what Paul says. The worst thing that could happen to me on this side of eternity 
is actually the best thing that could ever happen to me. Because I'll be with Jesus. What if you live that way? Can I tell you what your life would look like if you lived that way? Rejoice. That's a life of rejoicing. Lord, would you help us to shine like stars in the universe? Lord, in the, the culture that is constantly critical and cynical and all the, the negative things that our culture brings with it, Lord, would you help us to live differently because we've been changed by your gospel? Lord, would you help us today to identify areas of our life where maybe we have not been walking in grace? Lord, maybe some of my brothers and sisters here just need to lay some things down. Like they would just come today and say, man, I've not been walking in his grace in this area or that area. Lord, I pray that you would help us identify those and know how it is we can walk in your truth. Lord, I'm thankful for your gospel that saves us. As we've talked about for the last two or three weeks, Lord, I just know that rejoicing is not even possible if we are not in you. So if there's anyone here today who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be the day of salvation, that they would just come and surrender their life to you so they could experience for the first time in their life a life of rejoicing. Lord, we're grateful for what you're going to do. Just ask you to move in this time as we worship you. Thank you for listening to Central Baptist Church Buna's weekly sermon podcast. May God bless you as you continue to connect, grow, and serve.